0: Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You may it. I'm going to go ahead and invite the kids to come up. Good morning. You guys to sit that far back? I did shower. Is it because of the girls? Is that why they're sitting that far back? Come, come up here a little bit closer. Come up here a little closer. It's okay. So, so there was a really, really wealthy businessman. And he wanted to treat one of his employees to a, a, a nice weekend. And so, there you go. You go hang out with those girls. These girls are together. You know, it all, it all works out. But he wanted to treat his employees a really nice time. So they went to the the owner's um, vacation home, if you would. And while they were there, they went out to eat. And they were in a busy area, like in that picture. And they were walking along, and they were talking. And, and the employee and his wife were, were kind of standing behind the owner. And, and as they were going along, out of the blue, the owner stops. Have you ever been in that situation? You've been walking around in a crowd and somebody just stopped? Have you ever had that? Maybe. Maybe, I'll bet you you have. And your parents had to like grab you and stop you so you didn't run into them or something. So they they stopped and, and the owner just kind of stood there for a long time. And the, and the employee and the wife were wondering, what's, what's going on? And they started looking at each other like, what should we do? And then all of a sudden the the wealthy business owner bent over. And he picked up a penny. How many of you stopped along the path? Maybe it's a hiking trail, maybe it's in the mall, and you've stopped and you picked up a penny. A few of you? I, I have some pennies with me. Okay? I have some pennies with me. Can you do me a favor? Can you hand each of them a penny? You guys have at least seen a penny, right? You know, you know what a penny looks like, right? So just don't eat them. No eating the pennies. Okay? Just look at them. Haley, you want a penny? Haley? You want a penny? Okay, no eating it. She doesn't need one. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you one. We know how cheap Josh can be, so you know every penny counts. Pays <laughs> to go to church. Humility comes in many forms, right? You may yours has twenty twenty on it. That's really cool. That's a special penny. Throw it away. Um, no, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm just joking. So after a long time, he bends over and he picks up this penny. And they go into the restaurant, they sit at the table, they start eating. And 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 the wife of the employee was really, she just it was really bothering her. Why he stood, he's got all this money, why did he need to pick up a penny? And so she finally just kind of blurts it out and goes, I don't understand. And he looks at her and says, you don't understand what? She's like, you, you have all of this money and you stopped in the middle of the sidewalk to pick up this penny. And he said, yep. And he pulled the penny out of his pocket and he said, Look at the penny. What do you see on it? What do you What do you see on it? You see a date on it, right? Yours says 2020. Yeah. That's right. And so she started. She's like, "Well, I I see I see a penny." And he's like, "Well, what else do you see?" And and, and she's like, "I see e whatever that means, right?" And and goes on and he goes, What else do you say? See, and she finally got to what you point out, in God we trust. And he goes, That's it. And she's like, what, do you, what do you what do you mean? You bent over for this penny? And he said, Every time I see a penny, because every penny has marked on it, in God we trust. Every coin has in God we trust. And so he said, I take it as an opportunity to remember in whom I trust. He said, so every time I see a a coin laying on the sidewalk or on the ground, I stop and I stare at it because it's an opportunity for me to go, God, do I trust you right now? And then the reason he bends over and picks it up, any idea why he picks it up? It's even on the dollar bill. Yeah, those are worth more to pick up, right? Does anybody know why... Why he would pick it up then? He said, first of all, it has the name of God on it, which means it should be honorable. Secondly, he goes, it's a statement to say, God, I do trust you. He says he trusts him, God gave him, and he takes that as a sign that God gave him to say, I trust you. And so, I want you to keep the penny, and we're gonna talk about that this morning. We're gonna talk about, do we trust in God? Okay? And we're going to, uh, we're gonna look at Psalm 46 some more. So you can go ahead, take the penny with you, keep it, okay? Maybe from now on, when you stop, you can look at the penny and go, do I trust God? Or the nickel, or the dime, or the quarter, or the half dollar, or whatever that you might find on the ground. Well, that's good too. But now you have a reason to pick it up. And by the way, it's so significant that I gave you the penny. Do you know why? Kind of. Because am I willing to say, in God I trust, regardless of the value? Regardless of the value involved. I mean, it's easier to pick up a dollar bill laying on the ground going, ooh, it's a dollar, in God I trust. But am I willing to say, in God I trust, when it's only a penny? All right, you guys can go to the back. Somebody left a penny. Huh. <laughs> penny saved is a penny earned. I like I like relying on the trust of God rather than that. <laughs> As we come back to Psalm forty six, keep it in mind is God the one that we trust? I want to propose that Psalm forty six takes us to this idea. God wants us to encounter his proven presence. God wants us to encounter His proven presence. Psalm 46 is one of the songs of Zion. That is, it's, it, it's a praise about Jerusalem, the habitat, the dwelling place of God. And, and, and we, have to, we understand already that some psalms are prayers, right? And some psalms are songs, and in this case, it's a song. We can know that from the title. Most of our Bibles have the, the, the title or the, uh, the, let's call it the preface, if you would, to the choir master, to the song leader, if you would, to our modern day interpretations to the worship leader. This is written for them. It says specifically of or from, so many believe that the sons of Korah wrote this, uh, there's debate whether it's of or from, and so it could be a direction to the sons of Korah or it could be a direction from the sons of Korah. But the sons of Korah were of the Levitical line and they were the gatekeepers. They were the ones that were responsible for protecting the entrance to the tabernacle and later to the temple. So they had a very important job to keep out the rugrats, right? To protect the holiness of the tabernacle and the temple, and then we see this word to alamoth. Alamoth is a is a directional statement, and what it means is young ladies, maidens, and many argue it actually specifies sopranos. And so this was a song to be sung not by the bass, not by the tenors, not by the altos, but it was a song to be led, directed and performed by the sopranos. So we're not singing in the basement. We're singing up in the heavens. And then many of ours finish it with a song. In case we weren't certain that when it was written to the choir master and to a particular vocal range to be sung, it ends with a song. And in this psalm we find one of the most important elements that we could ever find, and that's the name of my daughter. Right, And there's debate as to what it actually means, but generally speaking, it is understood to be a point of pause, a suspension, an interruption for the purpose of reflection and remembrance. If you would, when you see Selah or Silah or Selah or however you choose to pronounce it, because there doesn't seem to be agreement on that either, but when you see that, it's actually more of like a theatrical note in a script where it's telling the actor or the actress to portray in a particular way. You know, be joyful when you say. So the the psalmist is writing this and it's an act of going, okay, you're building up, you're building up now. Just pause. Just pause. You'll find that when you read the Psalms, often it is an a Transitional moment in time in the song or in the prayer that we see this interjected. If you say it, you're not harming anything. If you don't say it, you're not harming anything. So you'll hear when we're doing the scripture and reading uh, in the prayer time, sometimes they'll say it, sometimes we don't. It's okay either way. God loves you nonetheless. But as we look at Psalm 46 this morning and this idea that God wants us to encounter his proven presence, I want to examine a a few of the elements. And again, you have them in your notes to fill out with us. But first, we need to start with the reality of life. When we come to Psalm 46, he he paints it out for us. And basically, it could be stated like this. We will encounter unrest, chaos, and turmoil. That is the reality of life. Some wish to believe and, and falsely adhere to this idea that once I become a Christian, everything will be fine and dandy. Jesus corrected that faulty mentality and idea even during his time because he goes, if you don't know trials, if you don't know tribulation, if you don't know suffering, perhaps you don't know me. That's my paraphrase. Right? But he puts that out there even to his followers. Let me suggest this, though. It can be true within ourselves, that is, that we know calm and peace. But it won't be true outside of ourselves. In other words, the reality of life is that chaos, trouble, difficulty, sufferings are going to surface in our lives. Externally, how we handle them internally, we have a role to play. So as we look at the passage, verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, through though the what? earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We understand that, that at that point in time, and even today when we look at mountains, we see strength, we see foundation, we see uh, something that's going to hold strong. You know, when we look at at mountain chains, whether it's the, the Rockies or you know, you go up into Canada, you, you you head out east, they're a little bit smaller. They say it's because of longer time and erosion, I don't know. But when you look at rock faces and, and there's that sense of awe. Oh, there's a sense of, of majesty and power because we rely on it to hold up. So when we have a boulder in the middle of Highway twelve the mountains are crumbling. We know what that's like. The waters will be stirred. The nations will rage. The earth will melt. Our life will be pressed, shaken. The heat will be turned up. If you haven't figured that out yet, things will not go as I planned them. The kingdom of my life will be shaken. The foundations I've constructed in this world and of this world will crumble. This morning, if you're here and you have breath, which I hope is everybody in the room at this moment. Otherwise, there's probably a lot of paperwork for me to fill out. If you are here and you have breath, people will disappoint you. It's a matter of life. It's not an issue of likability or not. It's a matter of life. People will disappoint you. Our children will bring us pain. We will get passed over in a promotion. Our relationships will be strained and perhaps they will even abandon us. These are realities of life. We will face conflict. We will face, face persecution. We will face Suffering, It will seem like the entire world is coming down around us. These are realities of life. Because sin remains present even in our redemption. Paul states it in this manner in 2 Corinthians. If I can find it. Here we go. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul faces it this way or states it this way. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. It's going to happen. Pain, sorrow, disappointment are all a part of this life. Conflict will persist Christian ethics and worldview will be put to the test. Our love for God and people will be challenged. We don't have to wonder if. It's when and most of us can look around and know that it's always. So this morning, as we look at Psalm 46, I have to ask the question of myself, how have I bought into a false narrative of this life? When I walk into circumstances and situations that depress me, that frustrate me, that, that irritate me, that aren't going my way, that aren't the things that I have planned, that aren't you know as I perceive them to be. What is it that I've bought into the false narrative of this life? What, what have I bought into to say, oh, once I came to Christ, it'll be easy. If I follow Jesus, the, the path will be gold. What have I bought into in the false narrative of this life? Because Psalm 46, as we go down through it, won't make any sense if I have the false narrative in place. If I'm sitting here going, well, this isn't the life that I'm supposed to be experiencing, then you've delusional in nature. (laughs) And we need to start backwards a little. Because encountering God's presence the proven presence of God, the reality of life needs to be brought back into alignment with the reality of God. Oops, went blank. I'm getting the ah. Okay, they're rebooting. So if you're trying to figure out the blank in there, number two, the reality of God. Because we have the reality of life and it's brought back into alignment with the reality of God. And, and, and three components that we see in psalm 46 here a the reality of god is the presence of god the reality of god is the presence of god we see this in multiple places in this passage look at verse one god is our refuge and strength a very present what's that a very a very help. But he's present. He's not distant. We're not singing Bette Midler, right, from a distance. Right? We're we're not, that's not our worship song from a distance. We worship God who is present with us here and now. If you keep looking at the Psalm verse 5, God is in the midst. God is in the midst now you, you you go yeah but he's talking about the the holy city of Jerusalem yeah so it was a promise of the holy city of Jerusalem at that point in time it was a forward promise of the new Jerusalem when God will reside there but it is also a reality of where God resides now God in us Christ in us the hope of glory not Christ out somewhere else Christ In us. And then if you look at verses 7 and 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. Let's let's say that together. The Lord of hosts is with us. Say it convincingly. The Lord of hosts is with us. Yeah, But do we believe that? I love the fact that it's the refrain of the song. That's the chorus, if you would, right? Verse 7 and 11, it's repeated. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In other words, what's the main point of the song? Go to the chorus. Any contemporary music today, what's the main point of the song? Go to the chorus. That's what they're trying to get across. That's why you can sing the chorus and forget the verses. Right? I'm not saying the verses aren't important, they, they substantiate the chorus, but if you want to go, what's the song about? Go to the chorus. So when you hear a song like, what, what's, what's that, what, what, what is that, Zach? I, uh, I ain't what I once was. I probably shouldn't even bring that one up into it, that would be really bad, right? <laughs> you know your country, huh? Please don't go look that song up, okay? Jennifer and I were out for our anniversary and we heard that song and we're just cracking up laughing. It's so sad. But the point of the song is made there. The point of the song is made in the chorus. Just like our worship music, the point of the song is made in the chorus, which is why the, the one who is writing this song makes the refrain, The Lord of hosts is with us. God is present. See, now I've lost half of you. Turn off your phone, get rid of the lyrics. And the important part of this is that God is present with us regardless of how we think or feel. There are times in our lives when the world's collapsing around us and we feel God's abandoned us, but that's not the truth of the story. The truth is the Lord of God, our God, Is with us. In fact, there's a bit of 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 linguistic fallacy that we play with in church. I've mentioned this before, I believe. I know that I talked about it with the worship team. We have this really bad habit. So we get into these corporate prayer times, right? We uh, we have it at the start of the service, or we have it at a meeting, or we have and we pause and we pray. And what do we pray? God, would you, would you be with us? Would you join us? Would you? We don't need to pray that. God's present. And I know it's a, it's, it's one of these really, like, it's an old habit that dies hard. <laughs> right? We've been ingrained in it for so long. But do we understand that that's just, it's a minuscule thing, but it's minuscule enough to start causing our hearts and our mind to wonder, well, is God here? Did God show up? I've been around those circles, right? Did God show up? The issue is, did we respond to God? Were we responsive? Were we receptive to the work of God? God's here. God showed up. Did we show up? And so the, the psalmist here in Psalm 46 wants us to understand the reality of God. He is present. Let's keep moving on. The protection of God. In the reality of God, we need to understand the protection of God. Again, verse one, God is our, try that again, God is our refuge, our shelter, our safe place from storms and dangers. From storms and danger. And he goes on. God is our refuge and our strength. Our strength for endurance. Our strength to overcome. Notice what isn't mentioned. Just think for a moment. Notice what isn't mentioned. What is not present in this passage is God. You are our refuge and strength. Therefore, you will take it away from me. And and yet, how often, myself included, is our prayer, God, take this, remove this from me. The psalmist says, God is our refuge and our strength. I understand Jesus said, if you can take this cup, do so. When we're in the feet of Jesus, we can ask that question. But he says, I won't take it from you, but I will provide shelter and strength for you in the process. Again, in verse 5, we see that God is in the midst of her. Therefore, she shall not be moved. So though the the waves are, are crashing, though the winds are blowing, though the mountains are crumbling all around us, and we're sitting here, and we want to run. God says, I'm your shelter. I'm your protection. You can endure the storm in me, not in yourself. God is a place that we should long to approach, long to rest, long to hide, long to be strengthened in. Some of us, though, have held on to a singular mindset of God. A singular mindset of God that says, Well, God is holy, therefore unapproachable. And what I want to remind us of this morning in light of Psalm 46 is God is holy, therefore He is approachable. Not Holiness doesn't deem this unapproachability, it actually helps to accentuate the approachability. There's no need for us to dismiss the holiness of God as we think about him, but the holiness does not mean inaccessibility. If it means inaccessibility, then we're without hope because Jesus wasn't fully God if God's holiness means that he's inaccessible, then Jesus wasn't fully God. But Jesus, fully God, fully man, completely holy, chose to step into the flesh of humanity to make himself even more approachable to us. In fact, when we think about the holiness of God, it is because of his holiness, his perfect, holy love, that we can approach Him. It is his holy love that enables us to access the throne room of God. Even the worst of us sinners. Because it's not our love. See, the struggle is we try to equate it with us. And God's is perfect. It is set apart. It is holy. Running to God is not running from circumstances, but finding strength and protection in circumstances. I'm going to read that again. Running to God is not running from circumstances. Again, we often think that if I run to God, the circumstances will disappear. The storms will subside and life will become good again. No, running to God is not running from the circumstances, but finding strength and protection in the circumstances. God is our refuge. He's a place where we go to, to find shelter and strength in the midst of the storm that's still roaring around us. So we need to know the presence of God. We need to understand the protection of God. We need to know the power of God. As creator of the world. She wants the refuge of Jesus right now. <laughs> or mom. Or somebody. We need to understand the power of God. God created the world. Yes? Can we come to agreement in here? God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, we're reminded of this in John chapter 1. Therefore, he is in control of the mountains and the oceans. The creations which are causing turmoil, he can't contain. When we find refuge in God, we go there because we know that he has the power over them, not because we hope that he has the power over them which is why on the boat, when the storm's blasting, they go wake Jesus up. In verse 6, the psalmist writes, this is the bad part about being by the AC, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Do you, do you hear the, the anxiety? Do you hear the, the battle that's going on? Do you hear the unrest, right? They they rage, they totter. He, that is God, utters his voice and the earth melts. And it's not just with creation. It's it's politically. Look at verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He breaks bows and spears. He, he breaks the weapons of warfare. He burns the chariots, the tools which carry authority to and from the warfare. He burns them down. He stops the line of communication. He breaks apart the tools. We need to be reminded of the power of God. Sometimes we sit back and we go, God, I don't know, is this too, is this too much for you? We don't, we don't say that. But our actions or inactions imply that. We'll we'll roll up to this in just a moment, but oftentimes we're sitting here going, God, I've got this one covered. You sit back and relax. I've got it figured out. I can do this. By the way, that ties into the fallacy of this life. But In what ways do I need to be reminded of the reality? I know for myself there are times I need to be reminded that he's present. It is so easy to get wrapped up in the mindset that God is so big and so powerful and so mighty. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Right? We, we get that mindset, but then that mindset leads us to believe that God's out there somewhere. And we forget that, no, 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 God is right here. God is present In the midst of whatever it is that we are journeying through, so in what ways do I need to remind, be reminded of the reality of God? Is it His presence? Is it of His protection? Some of us find ourselves running away from God when the world's collapsing, instead of running to God. Words like "I'm I'm not worthy of God helping me in this situation." I don't deserve, God, to step into this situation. Understand, those are identity issues. Because you're right. You're not worthy and you don't deserve it. I'm not worthy and I don't deserve it. But God, in Christ, says, Terry, you are worthy. Kaya, you are worthy. Chris, you are, worthy. Gary. You are. Worthy. It goes on, and on, and on. Some of us need to be reminded of the power of God. We live in a world that is crumbling. I, I honestly, I don't care about what political side you're on, or, or what our world around us is crumbling. Even those who are not in Christ see it crumbling around us. Those of us in Christ have hope because of the power in God. So what realities of God do I need to be reminded of? And then in encountering the proven presence of God, there's something we have to do. There is personal responsibility. It's great to know the reality of life, and it's just going to be this mess until he returns. It's great to know the reality of God to go, man, he's present and he's powerful and he's a protector. But then there's a personal responsibility and it starts out very simply. Stop it. It starts, it's, it's very simple. Stop it. Look at, look at 4610. Be still. By, by the way, that is a pretty close to literal translation of it. Stop it. So, so what the, what the psalmist is writing, he's writing this song and he's talking about all that's going on in the world and he's talking about how the the mountains are crumbling and the oceans are swelling and, and the winds are blowing and everything's falling apart and there's wars and there's destruction and all this kind of stuff. And so what's happening internally is we're getting worked up and we're going around going, okay, I gotta fix this and I gotta fix this and I gotta fix this and God's going, stop it! Just like that businessman, in the middle of a busy sidewalk, stopped to contemplate this penny, not caring whether people bumped into him, had to walk around him, and then bends over and lifts up the the penny to say, I trust in you God." We need to begin to do that in life. We are raised in a culture that says you can do it fix it you just need to try harder you need to do more you need to go faster you need to whatever it might be but put more hours in and yet god's the one that's saying stop it stop trying this on your own how many of us need to just stop it like, we need to stop here and learn this lesson and like not even go on for the rest of the week. We just need to stop. The, the Hebrew word here, to be still, bears the idea of cease and desist. Maybe I should get a law enforcement perspective on that term. It's stop the frantic activity of life. Stop struggling and fighting. Personally, I think it resembles Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to
1: stand...
0: How often are we taught, put on the armor of God and go fight the battle. Paul goes, I, I imagine he's rolling over in his grave and scratching his head in the face of Jesus going, they they missed it. Like somehow they think, suit up so you can go fight. And he's saying, no, no, suit up so you can stand. You. Absolutely. Stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Can I just stop for a moment? We are so often fighting the physical, and we won't stop it to become aware of where the real battle's at. But Paul goes on, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the days and having done all to stand firm. Therefore, stand. If you want to include the the, the phraseology to withstand four times within like four verses, Paul says, stand. Some of us are sitting here going, I can't wait to sit up. Get, put me on the front line. And so we keep striving to get onto the front line, and God's like, here, I'll knock you down. Look, oh, trip over your armor. It's a little too big for you, by the way. Now, let me see you draw that sword. And we get up, and we're like, okay, brush myself off. I, I can do this. Boom. And we go, God never trips us up. Oh, well, yes, he does. Well, I mean, we trip ourselves up because we won't listen to God, but, you know, Because God says, take up the armor and stand. Be still. Stop it. Stop striving so hard. Stop working so hard at at trying to accomplish it, about trying to solve all the problems. How many of us lose sleep because there's a problem set before us and we're going, oh, how do I resolve this? How do I take care of this? How do I fix it? Guys, stop it. Stop trying to fix your wife. Stop trying to fix your kids. Stop trying to fix your friends. God says, be still. But here's the other part of it, because it's not be still and do nothing. How does it continue? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And there's different words. We understand that this word is like practically no. It's not just read your Bible more. That might get you some great head knowledge. This be still and know is like stop it and watch God work. He's just gone through a litany of... Of what's going on and and how God steps in and what He can do and oops, there be to reflect on God, but He just goes through all this kind of stuff and He goes stop and know, stop and encounter, stop and experience, stop and reflect. Now don't just know about Him. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I had a friend that one time God stepped in and did this. No, that's not knowing God. Oh man, I remember my parents telling me this story of when we were really young and this this stuff was going on and, and they they prayed about it and God stepped in. No, that's not knowing. That's all good to get us into the right mindset. But but what the, the art the artist, I'm gonna say the artist, because for Psalms it's an artist, what the artist is really doing is saying, stop and ponder, do I really trust God? And then pick up the penny in a declaration to say, God, I trust you. I trust you to step in, and if you need to provide me fifty thousand pennies for the bill that's due, I am willing to stop and pick up every one of the fifty thousand pennies. Look, how much is fifty thousand pennies? Five hundred bucks? Thank you. She beat you to that. Yeah. And and let's be honest. Right now, today, how many of us would be willing to stop 50,000 times to pick up each penny and say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. You know, we get through I want to be optimistic. 10? 15 of them? And we go, God, give me another answer. My back's already starting to hurt me. I did my squat workout already this morning. I don't need to Today's, today's not leg day, it's upper body day. Right? And yet, sometimes God provides in that manner. A few steps, oh, there's a penny. Huh. Thanks, God. You go a few more steps, and are going about my day. There's a penny. And then there are times that God, you're walking along, and God goes, there's the 500 dollars. but the challenge is not stopping for the $500. The challenge is stopping for the penny. This isn't when life is about to end and then I go, oh, maybe I should think about God. This is about every circumstance and situation in our life. Do we pause and do we stop and do we think about God? Do I reflect on Him? By the way, he goes, Be still, stop it, and know that I am Elohim. Elohim. I am God. When I was reading that, it immediately triggered me to the I am. Right? Well, what's God saying? God's saying, I am the God that heals. I'm the God that saves. I am the God that provides. I am, I am, I am. Which immediately points us to Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am. So so when the artist writes this song, and and he's thinking about life, and he's like, you know, it's easy to do when everything's crashing down, possibly to pause and turn to God. but, But he's saying, every aspect of life, I need to stop, and I need to know that God is. He is all of these different things in my life. He goes, just, just in case you're concerned, look at verse 10. Be still, stop it, and know that I'm gone. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is not some wishful thinking of God. God's not saying, man, I hope it turns out the way I planned it. I I really hope that Jesus can pull through for us. I really hope that the Holy Spirit can can do something. He goes, no, 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 stop and listen to me. I will be exalted. I will be lifted high. So when everything around you is crashing and, and and you're unstable and you're not sure what to do, stop. Stop and know who I am because I will. I will make myself known in this circumstance and situation. But if you don't stop long enough you're likely to miss it I, I personally think that Psalm 4610 is also a precursor to Philippians chapter 2 what Jesus says well Paul says about Jesus every knee will bow every tongue will bow I don't know how many of us have, have actually pondered. I didn't get to preach that section because I was gone, so now I get to preach it. I don't know how many of us have actually pondered that. When it when it says everything, we can sit there and go, well, in Greek, does everything and everything? Or does it just mean most things? No. Do we understand that at the end of time, Satan is going to bow before Jesus Christ and acknowledge that he is Lord? It doesn't save him. It's too late for that. So you can bow and you can acknowledge by will or by force, but it will happen. And so Jesus is like, every knee, every tongue is going to bow and declare and call. And this is exactly what the artist in Psalm 46 is doing. Stop it and know me, because I am the one who will be exalted above all things at the end of time. He's already defeated death. What more powerful thing is that? What is my tendency when life is collapsing around me? As Americans, I know most of our tendencies. I am one. Right? I am one. Oh, man. Didn't realize we are going to be short on that bill. Guess we better get some more hours in. Oh, man. This just happened, one of, okay, we can, we can call this, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. You know, one of the best examples, I've shared this before, one of the best examples of this reality for me was when we were coming back from California and we were in the middle of no place in Nevada, which really is no place anyways, but it's the middle of no place in Nevada, where we had one bar that was in and out, and our car broke down. <laughs> I, I've learned to start to appreciate these situations, because it forces me to stop it. I mean, here we are, we got the cell phones. I, I don't, Jennifer's probably got a kid somewhere, but we've got these cell phones. They're great. Verizon, probably LTE at that point in time. I don't know. You know, service everywhere, except for orphina Idaho, and, and no place in Nevada. Actually, Verizon's good here, but... Uh So anyway, I mean, we literally, we like walked back. No, no, no. We walked forward. No, no, no. I mean, Jennifer's on the phone with the insurance company and there's a signal. She's on. I mean, it, it, it's just one, and we're just like, what do we do? And God says, stop it. And we're like, well, we'll at least keep trying. And God's like, okay, you can keep trying. And so we're making trying to make phone calls partially. And then out of the blue, this guy who lives in the next town is coming back from some trip, and he pulls over and he goes, what's going on? we like, well, we think this is what happens. He takes a look. He goes, yep. Here's a great thing. He goes, I'll be back with the trailer. Come pick you up. We'll take it to the shop in town. Awesome. How far away is that? Oh, it's only, it's like five miles. Sweet. An hour goes by. Two hours go by. You're like, uh, did his car break down along the way? Did he, you know, we're trying the phone number that he gave us, but can't get through. We're trying... And it's the reminder of God that stop it. God will bring us into situations that are beyond our control for the purpose of showing himself. What's sad is it takes us that long to get there. If we could learn to start picking up the pennies along the way and know the presence. Kyle wants to know if I'm almost done. Uh, it was only five miles, why didn't we just walk? Next time we're on a trip, I hope you're with us and it happens. Because our kids were still young, and they, and us as adults would have grumbled and complained for the next five miles. We did. We did. He showed up with the trailer, and then that began a whole nother. Because it was in the middle of no place in Nevada, the water pump that should have been a piece of cake to get had to get shipped to some place to pick something up. The nearest town that had something was like two and a half or three hours away. We got to the point that we were going to go to the dealership that was like uh, 45 minutes away, see if we could rent a car to drive the three hours to get the part, to bring it back. But again, God said, stop it. God said, stop it. God wants us to encounter not just his presence, but his proven presence. It's been proven. God shows up all of the time. Well, we become awakened to the presence of God all of the time. So let's just take a few moments again and where, where am I still holding on to a false Where am I still holding on that tomorrow it's going to be better because of Jesus? I mean, it can get better in here. It's not going to change out here. In what ways do I need to be reminded of the reality of God, that He is present, that He is powerful, that He is here to protect? And what is my tendency in life when everything's collapsing around me? do Do I hole up and go, God, I just not good enough? I don't deserve you to step in? Or do I stop fighting and actually, you could say, hold up, but go, God, you are my refuge and my strength. And so if I'm going to hold up, I'm going to hold up in you. Father, would you search our hearts?